Met a girl downtown at the bar last night and we got to talking. Said she likes cheap drinks and tattoos and Morgan Wallen. She said, what about you? I said, I like late night bonfires, Yellowstone, Whiskey Myers, and lift the trucks with mud on the tires. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to Non-Negotiable Brand. Before I get into her, I got to apologize for the massive delay in getting this uh, first official episode on the ground. I, uh, I ran into some technical difficulties while recording last week, and it basically just stopped recording. I have no idea what happened. I think we've got it figured out, ironed out a couple test runs with the recording to make sure it didn't stop. I think we're there. As we've mentioned, this is as authentic as it gets, including my producing skills with a computer and recording studio stuff. So here we are, ready to rock. First official episode. We're going to dive deep into some fun topics, some serious topics. Uh, hopefully we make you laugh, think, and uh, above all, just get motivated to, to crush crush life, man. Let's fucking go. I'm fired up. Um, we are, well, we, Jen and I, are like two days away from jumping on a plane and going to Cabo, which is another uh, reason why we had to get this done, uh, get this out there. Uh, I thought it was important uh, to get this one out there. Um, I'm almost actually thankful in a way that the first uh recording fucked up and there's obviously the news is blown up with this tyree nichols death now south of the border and the only reason why i'm glad this that uh my first one got delayed is i think i need to bring bring it up and talk about it because the media everywhere is doing their thing and obviously they're taking the stance that they always do and i I honestly i think you're going to be surprised at my my take on this but I thought it was important that I touch on it. I'm not going to do it yet. I'm going to do it in a bit. Um, I, I did want to to touch on how happy I am. I'm seeing tons of people, um, not just you know friends of mine or people I know, but it's like everywhere. It's so infectious right now. The fitness push, the cold plunge push. I've never seen more people jumping into fucking frozen ice tubs. It's, it's actually hilarious. I love it. Um, there's so many people that are just into it. I, I think it's so infectious. It's like the, the 50th Omicron variant, uh, B12, 5,000 variant. Uh, I don't even know what it's called, but who gives a shit actually. Um, but yeah, I'm super impressed. It, it fucking motivates me. It makes me happy. I, I, I really hope that people that are sharing their stories and sharing their experiences, whether it's new or old, realize how far their reaches, whether you know that you've affected someone's life or not, you are. Um, I actually have an example of that, uh, a guy I've actually never met him. He's like a, an Instagram friend. His name's Jordan. I should check out his shit. It's muscle chamber fitness. I, I wrote it down. I wanted everybody to check out his stories because he shared a pretty badass video of him working out in our, the non-negotiable gear, but he tailored his story to never giving up, um, adversity, battling through leg injury pretty serious one he had uh, rhabdo i'm not sure if anybody knows what that is but it's basically when you your body can go into like toxic shock or something it's like deadly um and his rehabilitation he posted the video he posted uh pictures of his his daughter in the hospital fighting through something and then just battling through and getting in the gym and and doing his thing and doing the cold tub and in the process another buddy of mine he, he sends me a dm and and he's actually going through a crazy recovery. Both of his legs were crushed on the job site. And you got one guy who's from like Ottawa or near Ottawa, and he's inspiring another guy who's in a hospital bed for months now. And he's got a fight and he's motivated. And he told me straight up, that's going to be my story. He's going to do a video like that. I think it's fucking awesome. Guys, you honestly never know who you are affecting in a positive way it goes so far with social media some of it's a complete cesspool but there's a lot of it that's fucking great and you can make such a positive impact on people and i just wanted to bring up that just that one example of two guys don't even know they know each other or sorry they don't know each other but they don't realize that they're now connected just in inspiring stories of battling through injury right that's fucking huge Um, i love it one thing I brought up in the intro was for people to to listen to the Real AF podcast about 75 Hard. I'm just going to go into it because I actually, 
I, I don't know if people are actually doing it. I hope they are. I know I know a lot have because I know a lot of people have started to do it or are asking me questions about it. But I'm going to get into her. I'm going to talk about it quick, quickly um, only because I think it's super important. I've been working out pretty hard since maybe like late teens. Um, but typical gym stuff, like, you know, you go in, you do your buys and tries or your chest and bat, whatever. Your rout- the routine was, was decent. Like I worked out pretty hard. Um, on and off at your typical gym. Then I got into CrossFit. I've been doing that for the last 10 years, but I was very inconsistent. Like I would do, you know, a good program of one thing and then be like, okay, I've got there and then give up and start eating pie and fucking drinking and, you know, abusing my body, treating it like shit. And it just, it was always on and off, on and off consistently. Like, you know, I could build, build muscle and lift and all this and, you know, feel good. And then I, I would feel like I, I got there and then I would just basically give up and treat myself and, and treat my body like a complete amusement park and, and not take care of myself. So 75 hard is by far the most important thing I've ever done, f- both physically, mentally, spiritually, for my relationship, for my kids. You know, people can, you know, laugh at meatheads and go to the gym and all that horse shit. Um, but you honestly leave, leave those people and ignore them because they're fucking losers. So in, until they figure out that people who are working hard and being badass is a cool thing, then leave them be. But honestly, 75 hard. This is what it was. Every day, a gallon of water. I would read 10 pages every morning. You can read any time, but 10 pages of a book that's like, you know, about improving your life, reading about like the Goggins of the world. Um, the next is just following a healthy diet. It doesn't have to be zero carbs, which I I don't really like. It doesn't really agree with me, but whatever. Um, talk to your people. Um, any healthy diet, really. All we've been doing is eating real food. That's it. No chips, no shit. If you have to think about it and question what you're eating in the moment, the answer is no. Um, obviously, no desserts. No booze whatsoever, not a sip, nothing, not a single ounce of alcohol for those 75 days. You also need to do two workouts. And the purpose of this, it's not, you know, I hear people, they're like, oh, fuck that. I can't do it. And then they never do it because they hear two workouts. They don't even do one, right? So that's really, that's not the greatest excuse if if I'm being fucking brutally honest, but the two workouts could be two walks. Like if you're literally a person who, has, hasn't worked out in years or has never worked out and the gym scares you or whatever your reason is for not working out, you've been injured, just go for walks, right? That's it. Or go on a bike. And if you can't walk because you're injured, bring your bike outside and bike outside. It's honestly, it's the two workouts is more just to, to get your schedule figured out and the amount of, and you'll figure out the amount of wasted time in your day, it's honestly not that bad. You do have to wake up early. Like if you wake up at noon, it's going to be a tough 75 days, but you get to bed on time when you do a program like this and you are actually motivated to get it done. And you tell people out loud, you are going to do it. It is much harder to turn back when you say something out loud and you make a promise, right? Uh, that comes with just, you know, your integrity or whatever, or, but if you get sick and you can't fail, at least you did it, Right. Jen and I, our close friends, they failed on day 73 because they couldn't physically get out of their bed. And these two would have got out of their bed if they could. But like, did you really fail? I mean, sure. Okay. Technically you couldn't check off two more days, but the, how far they would have gotten in their progress for everything, it would have been fucking night and day from the start. So if you honestly, I know I'm going to, I'm going to chime in a lot about, about physical health and and mental health and all that, all that shit. And I, but it's because I think it's important. I actually believe in it. So if you look at 75 hard and you know, you can't do it because one gallon of water, you'll be peeing too much, get a piss jug, put it in your car. (laughs) For those who do surveillance, you all know what I'm talking about. You have a piss jug. All right. Honestly, if it means that much to you, you'll get it done. All right. Reading. I fucking hated reading. Everybody that knows me, knows me well, laughs their ass off now when I post a book, <laughs> right? I, I share a book. It's, it's completely insane for me to say this out loud. But again, that's not a reason not to do it. The two workouts, I get it. Time management, kids. I'm telling you, 
I promise you, if you do this, if you decide tomorrow that you're going to do 75 hard, whatever 75 days from now is, you will be so happy and thankful that you did this. All right? And I actually forgot one thing. Daily picture. I get it. People are like, oh, that's vain. Uh, body this and, and it's stuck up and then people are going to, you know, whatever. Whatever people's th- thought is on this, honestly, it was the smallest part of it, but it does still give you something visual to see like, holy shit, I did all these things that made my brain better, my body healthier, all these incredible things. And now look, right? No one can say they wake up in the morning if you're feeling like a like a complete sloppy piece of shit and say that you look in the mirror and you can't say you love what you see, right? If you, if you haven't at least tried hard and you're not putting in the effort, I don't give a shit who you are, right? Or you think your significant other wants to look at you and, and fucking, you know, get her going in the bed because you haven't been putting in, putting in any effort. I'm fucking sorry, but that's, that's not reality. And as soon as you buy into the fact that unless you're really trying super hard or giving a proper effort, this whole fucking like 2020 and even in the, like the last 10, 15 years of like promoting unhealthy habits and fucking obesity in the name of health. I'm sorry, guys. Honestly, there's nothing more sexy and awesome to see than someone who is overweight and trying their fucking ass off to better themselves and get their body healthier. I don't give a shit what you say. But your heart or your knees or your back or your joints or your blood pressure doesn't fucking like if you are completely out of shape and being a complete sloppy piece of shit. All right. That's and that's fucking from me to and that's me. I used to work out super fucking hard, crush the red red wine, crush the fucking pecan pie. Love it. Oh, yeah. I could get into it. Crush a bag of chips. No problem. But guess what? My blood pressure was high. I felt like a piece of shit. I was lazy, right? What kind of father and husband is that if you're if you're just a super lazy human being, right? So that's all I'm saying, man. I'm not trying to fucking shame people who are having a rough go or whatever, but I can tell you from having experienced being a lazy fuck, thinking that just going to the gym four to five days a week gives me the right to fucking drink a bottle of wine, crush pie, eat whatever I want, go to bed whenever I want, zero accountability. I can tell you right now, like, fuck, the proof's in the pudding, man. Look, look, the fucking picks, the fucking everything. We've started a business, started a podcast. Um, our, our, fuck, our first full, full year in real estate for rookies, crushed it. That shit ain't happening if we don't have the energy, right? So that's it, man. I, I keep telling everybody to listen to 75 hard or listen to real AF and then listen to Andy talk about it. I don't even fucking know the guy. I don't know anything is like, I don't need to promote the guy. I'm just telling you, I believe in it. And I, I really, I, I really do hope people just seriously do something like that. Right. I don't want you to hear two workouts a day and then just quit on all things. Right. That's it. That's all. A couple housekeeping things. Our website's up. Leo from uh, take root creative. Uh, was awesome. Helped Jen and I set up our site uh, for the apparel and our story. Um, super thankful for that. Thanks, buddy. I'll be chucking you a new hat. We just got a bunch of new hats and, and new apparel in. I'm wearing it right now. So if you actually don't uh, watch on YouTube, I got our new hat and new tee on. But like real shit, real talk. The apparel, honestly, at the start was solely for an idea of just for people to wear if they were hesitant to to speak out and basically be on the freedom side of the last three years. That's how it started. And now I honestly believe and hope and my dream is that anyone who wears it, you feel safe. You feel like you're part of a team. Like we fucking got you. We are not turning our back in any way, there's a 0% chance that Jen and I and our brand and the way we are and our convictions and our morals will fucking bend to any garbage. So if you, if you feel that you, you know, you're down with, with, uh, you know, our morals and our story and the way we are and 
And even if you're even, even if you're hesitant at all about about that, we aren't fucking changing. I hope you feel like you're part of our team. This is not something that's going to be done by just me coming onto a podcast and ranting and and trying to promote things that I soup that I really do care about. It's a team effort. Everybody's got to start doing their thing, whether it's hitting the gym, eating better, sleeping better, trying new things, jumping outside your comfort zone. Honestly, whatever it is, I just hope that you know you're going to be proud of yourself for whatever you do and trying hard. And that's really it, man. And if if you are wearing our shit, and uh, we're going to be coming out with some some pretty cool stuff in response to our psychotic prime minister and C twenty one. Um, everything that we're going to come out with is going to mean something. It's going to have something behind it, something we deeply care about. And I, and I honestly believe, I think a lot of people are going to be down with it. Um, <laughs> something else actually is going to make me laugh a little bit. I got a DM from a guy. I think he was, he was, well, I not think he was definitely being, uh, it was coming from a good place. It wasn't, uh, <laughs> trying to be a dick or anything, but he mentioned that, uh, my swearing, it might cause, a credibility issue. And I, I get what he's saying. I sort of, I understand what he's saying. It's coming from a good place. But if, if I try to censor the way I talk, then what, whatever else comes out of my mouth isn't going to be me. I, I get it. I got a fucking mouth like a trucker, you know, having been a cop, worked on the construction sites before that, part of hockey dressing rooms. It is what it is. And I, I honestly, if you're, if you're that anti-swearing, I, I hope you stick around. I hope you don't just shut her off because because of that. Heck, maybe maybe I'll stop swearing. You never honestly, you never know, right? It, it depends on the guest I have on here. It's just the way I talk. If, if swearing equals credibility, or sorry, if not swearing equals credibility, credibility, I can assure you that is not my experience with certain people. Oh fuck, I'll get into it. Like I, I worked for a guy who is the most perfectly put together man or at least appeared that way he's a police officer right he was my about two or three up boss right so he's you know a white shirt you know carries himself like he's the perfect human being doesn't swear drinks only water works out takes care of his body and when we talk about credibility this guy fucked one of his subordinates wives while his subordinate was in hospital so in terms of credibility and integrity and all that good shit, do not, I beg you, do not judge a book by its cover. Do not judge someone by this, the, how much they swear or maybe the way they talk or how they dress. Honestly, you never fucking know who you're dealing with, man. And that's, my, that's one of my biggest points. And it's going to be one of my biggest driving points of this episode is to question Every single thing you hear, you just have to. There's there's too many people out there with bad motives, and honestly, that's that's it, man. If that if that's one of the biggest driving forces of our brand and and of our message is just the question. The more I've questioned in my life, the better off I've been because a lot of times, man, you just you question something and it turns out that you know they're being a slimy motherfucker. Or they're wrong, or they were doing something, you know, it wasn't out of the goodness of their heart. I can tell you that much. So, yeah, moving forward after today, I'm actually going to be interviewing, uh, I want to say fourth generation farmer from my hometown. The small business I did mention before is a huge part of our, of moving forward for us, supporting small business farmers, advocating for fitness, mental health. Those things are huge. So uh, when we get back from Cabo, I'm going to be interviewing my buddy uh, Coxie from town, the Cox Talks podcast. Uh, look him up. He's an absolute beauty. He's, uh, oh yeah, I want to say like fourth generation farmer. We'll get more of his story. I don't want to ruin it. But we're going to, that's going to be a, an awesome conversation. If you think uh, I swear a lot now, wait till, till he and I sit down together. It's going to be awesome. But we're going to, we're going to be advocating for his business and I want to learn about farming and and maybe how to grow my own vegetables and shit like stuff like that things I don't really know much about at all but I'm super passionate in supporting these people and supporting their way of life and especially with all the things we're hearing about 
cows hurt the climate and all this shit and fertilizers and i i'm really concerned about that part of the world and i want to hear their stories so that's where we're going when we get back from cabo i i I do really want to touch on on c21 before i move any further as well obviously a huge part of of my message and Obviously, Jen's message too was just the the tyrannical government lying uh, nonstop over the last three years regarding COVID. It's so crazy to think like how right, and this isn't who's right and wrong and fucking haha, I told you so. I can't stand that shit. I'm actually disgusted at how bang on and how well Jen and I read the situation. It actually scares me how correct we were. And that leads me to C21 and the fact that our prime minister in the name of safety wants to take certain guns out of the hands of law-abiding citizens who have never in their lives committed a crime or had any dealings with police, maybe outside of a speeding ticket. And here's my thing. Anything I'm going to talk about, I'm going to try to arm you guys with... Ah, there you go. Arm you guys. C21. Fucking bad pun. Holy. I'm going to try to arm you guys with actual data and facts that when you're out or you're at a family dinner with a bunch of people who think that no one needs guns and what's the point in having guns? They know nothing about hunting. I've never hunted in my life. I don't even own guns. And everyone thinks that because I was a cop, I just came home with my Glock, came home with an AR, not the case. Don't own a gun, never hunted. But I do understand from having been a police officer for 17 years and having been in units that all I did was go hunt down bad dudes and a lot of times bad dudes with guns. I understand that the motive and the reasoning and what they're putting out there in political land and in the media are complete fabrications and lies and everything they're telling you is, is a lie. It's not true. And I'm going to tell you why. All right. So our prime minister goes on, on TV. It was about a month ago, or at least that's when I saw it. And he, he said something about, I'm paraphrasing, but he's trying to protect the citizens of Canada by getting guns off the streets. <laughs> that's what he says. This fucking clown. He's look just his face in that look. I'm sorry, but fucking what a terrible human being. But in saying that in the, conversation and context of c21 is that by removing certain guns whether it's war style guns or certain semi-automatic rifles or shotguns that he's gonna get guns off the street okay let let me tell you one thing i actually did a poll on my on my instagram and a few hundred coppers actually responded to it and 90 percent of those officers have never dealt with a single criminal incident involving a firearm where it was legal. So again, nine nine out of 10 coppers, or it was whatever, 180 out of 200 coppers, whatever the number was, that have never dealt with a criminal incident involving a legal firearm. And of the 10%, I think only one didn't respond. Every single one of those incidents was a domestic-related incident, which are, those are so hard to deter. It's still, And they're not only super fucking sad, but whether it's a gun or whether it's a fucking steel pole, I can tell you personally, having seen it with my own fucking eyes, that domestic incidents are so hard to deter and and they're generally just completely violent, fucked up crimes. And whether they had a gun or whether they had a stick or a pole or a knife, it's it's just really messed up. But I'm, I'm not going to get into that. But I can tell you to a fact that cops on the streets, and they've all been muzzled, because we all know what happened with Aaron Howard speaking up, right? When you speak up and you, and you, for the right reason, your bosses go after you because it's not what the political climate allows you to say, right? Every cop that's worked in a fucking real unit knows that law-abiding citizens and their firearms are not a threat whatsoever. Because when you go to a call and the dispatcher tells you who has the guns, you're not worried whatsoever because a lot of the time and 99.99999% of the time, you're not going to that house to deal with anything to do with the firearm. And you have faith 
in our citizens, and I hope we still do, that law-abiding citizens are not a danger to our society, and that is what our piece of shit prime minister is insinuating. And it's disgusting, and it's dishonest. Further to that, I need every one of you that feel like you may get in a conversation or want to talk about this with people who want to have your guns taken away to look up Bill C-5. Bill C-5 is legislation that is being put forward by our, our government and Trudeau and his fucking losers. And this is what they're doing. So when they tell you out loud to your face that they care about violence and getting crime off the streets and firearm problems and dealing with that, they are trying to remove. So actually, I'm getting ahead of myself. So Bill C-5 is dealing with mandatory minimum uh, penalties for criminals who use firearms in their offense, whether it's murder, whether it's robbery, doesn't matter. If you commit a crime with a firearm, there are mandatory minimum penalties for the convicted accused. So if you get convicted of an offense, then mandatory minimum. Trudeau wants to remove these, the, I can't even believe I'm saying this. He wants to remove the crime of robbery, robbery. I can tell you as someone who worked on our pro surveillance team, that that is the majority of files we work because there are so many people and bad fuckers out there that commit, commit armed robberies with firearms. So not only is he removing robbery, which includes home invasions for you people that don't realize that from the mandatory minimum penalties, he's telling you, you farmers and you people that live up North that are surrounded by fucking bears and all that crazy shit that you can't have certain long guns to protect your family, to hunt, to provide, but he is getting rid of firearms related penalties to people who are convicted of robbing fucking banks doing home invasions. I can tell you right now, home invasions are probably, in my experience, the most violent calls police officers go to, or one of the most. Been to a, to a home invasion where it sounded like fucking I was in Iraq. There was that big of a shootout at the front of the house, right? Where these violent felons were putting guns in the victim's mouths for fun. We're getting rid of mandatory minimums for these kind of bad people. But he's going to take away your guns. He's going to take away your long guns in the, in the name of safety. Man, if, if, if you don't at least question this man's character at this point, I don't, I don't know. I, I, I mean, we'll be waiting for you. I really hope that that just hearing shit like this and and realizing that under no circumstances he give a shit about your safety could care less that just this fact alone in Bill C five and like well fuck forget about a bail reform right that copper that was that was executed what two months ago guys that are on bail for two firearms offenses I just read the Toronto Police Union share that an accused was just released on bail, again, on 37 breach of probation or breach, whatever the charges were. It was 37 breach charges. For you folks that don't know what I'm talking about, this fucking asshole was already out on release and was breaching whatever the rules were, right? This could be a fucking person who preys on kids and then goes back towards the parks and all where kids are breaks the rules gets charged with breaching that rule and he's back out again 37 breach charges i believe was the number i read i can tell you right now our government current government doesn't give a fuck about your safety but they want to take away your guns that should fucking scare you and I'm telling you that as, well, I can't tell you as a cop, but having been a cop and a real one that did real police work, that this is so fucking bad. That's honestly, I just want you guys to think. That's all. 
All right. Um, I I am going to get into this Tyree Nichols incident from Memphis. And I didn't really want to. But then I saw, obviously, the Canadian media picks it up. And, and I went on CNN for like an hour the other day. And I'm like, why the fuck are you doing this? But again, at least I know they're full of shit or mostly full of shit. And I, I wanted to just hear their takes. I wanted to basically know what everyone is hearing, right? So he, honestly, here's my take on this incident. I actually don't fucking have one. I'm going to do what I believe the media should do and everyone should do, which is take a fucking moment. You've watched the video, which I don't actually realize why they released it. I get it. It actually doesn't look good. I'll tell you that. It doesn't look good, all right? Like I mean, if they're if those five coppers were holding holding him up to give him a fucking beating, it's it's bad. It's really hard to fucking. It's hard to defend that. I'll tell you right now, right? I mean, if we learn later on down the line that that guy's a pedo and he fucking rapes kids, I'll tell you right now, I'm completely okay with it. But that is not what I believe is the case here. If this Tyree Nichols is a good kid, I actually don't know how old he is. If he's a good person, right? Bright future. If we learn that he was fucking you know all ready to go to college never commit crime and he was just fucking scared that day and those five coppers were just a bunch of animals and wanted to lay a beating then those guys are in fucking trouble like their, their days aren't looking too good if that was the case but as i'm listening to the lawyer for tyree nichols family he actually compares him to george floyd and michael brown and this is where this is where the media and certain narratives lose people and make people like me think, wait a fucking second. We said that that Tyree Nichols is a good person. Okay, cool. I honestly I haven't heard anything bad about the guy. And I think maybe we would have by now, but maybe not. I don't fucking know. I don't trust any of these people. I don't trust the news. I don't trust politicians. I don't trust police chiefs. I don't trust any of these motherfuckers. Because they have never given me a reason to tr- to trust them. So you've compared Tyree Nichols to Michael Brown, a person who robbed a convenience store, rushed a police officer, jumped the police officer in his cruiser while giving him a beating. His blood was found in the cruiser after the gun went off that he was trying to get in the cruiser, and this is all fact. This was in the trial. Why is the lawyer for Tyree Nichols' family comparing him to a complete fucking felon? Right? He compared him to George Floyd. <laughs> Guys, and this is what's crazy. When you first saw the George Floyd video and knew nothing about George Floyd, you're like, fuck, this isn't good. That doesn't look very good. Man, this copper might be just a crazy person who just wanted to sit on his neck for a while, right? And then you learn a little bit more about George Floyd. And and this is where I, I think I mentioned it a while ago. Fuck around and find out. I don't believe that martyring shitty human beings who make bad choices is wise. Where's where's the fucking repercussions for for just anyone's reputation? I honestly don't think people are afraid of it because fucking people like George Floyd, who did home invasions, did four years on a plea bargain for pointing a firearm at a pregnant woman's belly. He was a drug dealer. He was on fentanyl when he died. And multiple coroners said that was the main reason of his death. So when we have the media painting a picture in the initial days of all these incidents, they stick forever. And this is my problem. I have no opinion on what the outcome for the Tyree Nichols and those, or sorry, Tyree Nichols and those four, no, sorry, five coppers that are now on charges for murder. I honestly have, it's hard to have an opinion. I've heard, I've heard things and read things such as, the five officers, or sorry, I believe three out of the five, bypassed the hiring process for Memphis PD to fill a quota. 
to fill a quota for more black officers. Honestly, and I don't know if that's true. I can tell you I've seen it in my own department. I saw the fucking chart with my own eyes. Filling a quota for visible visible minorities. I've seen it with my own fucking eyes. York police, they do it. I, I believe it would happen, but is that the case for this? I don't fucking know. Who knows? No one knows. We're, we want to solve a massive case or incident by watching the news, forming our opinion in a matter of days or weeks. It is fucking impossible. All right? Do you remember when LeBron James retweeted a police officer in his uniform after having shot a 16-year-old girl named Michaela Bryant? That was, it was massive. He ended up deleting it. Because he said it would cause too much hate. It would cause further hate. He, he tweeted, you're next, to the police officer who shot her while she was trying to stab someone else. That's where we're at. Within a day, you have one of the biggest superstars who, have, who has ever lived. Tweeting out, you're next with a photo of a police officer after having saved someone's life. So forgive me when the media is like, the, they're like the boy that cried wolf. I don't fucking trust the thing they say. Tyree Nichols may be a fucking, he could have been the next fucking NBA superstar. I don't fucking know. I don't know. And I'm not going to say I don't care, but I'll tell you now, I can't give a proper opinion on how this should end if I don't fucking know the full story because I can tell you the lawyer for his family is comparing him to Michael Brown George Floyd and Michaela Bryant who in the moment of their deaths were criminal shitheads that's it I'm not going to martyr shitty human beings We're at the point now, folks, where pedophiles are being renamed in certain circumstances and areas as minor attracted persons. Guys, what the fuck are we doing? We can't accept people who have made horrendous choices in their lives and that choice got them dead. George Floyd, from all accounts, when you read it from the media, was trying to fix his life after doing time for a home invasion where he stuck a firearm at a lady's belly. I don't know if I can give a fucking pass on that forever. I honestly don't know. I guess you do your time. Cool. But he was out doing fentanyl. Like, his life wasn't repaired. He had just tried to buy some shit with counterfeit money. That doesn't deserve to get you dead. But I can tell you what, we don't fucking martyr people like this. They aren't fucking heroes. They don't get statues. So let's just wait a minute or two and just find out what the fuck the story was. There's stories out there that the five coppers that laid the beating on Tyree Nichols, three of them were gang members. What the fuck? That's insane, guys. If Honestly, if, if these coppers bypass the hiring process, to fill a color quota for police officers and or were part of a gang and they're convicted of this, (laughs) I hope this family gets hundreds of millions of dollars because the hiring practice within police departments in North America, I have a sense, are fucking completely lost. Because I've seen it with my own eyes. So I don't know if these cops bypassed the process. I don't know if they were hired for a quota. But I can tell you right now, I've worked with people who can't fucking spell, who can't speak, who can't shoot a gun, who can't do a push-up, who can't fucking drive. There was an officer in my department who was the driver of a car that did a fucking home invasion. Okay? So forgive me if I don't have much faith in the hiring process and might, hmm, maybe... Maybe fucking wonder if that may have been what happened down there, right? May, maybe not, which is why I'm not giving a final fucking opinion on this because I I honestly don't know. 
right? And that's it's, that's going to lead me to the next thing, which I which I posted about. Yeah, this this story it's a deep one, I'm, and I'm not going to go too fucking crazy. Maybe I'll have my dad on here one day. It'd be wild. I probably actually no, I'm not going to fucking do that to him. But just in terms of the damage the media can do and the way they can drive a story is so damaging and so important that it we need to start getting this right and i honestly i have no faith that that it will unless we blow up the whole fucking system of the media and politicians and it's owned by them and only certain narratives are pushed but the damage that could be caused just within the first days of an incident like this especially with the Michaela Bryant one and i and that's why i'm going to i'm going to focus on that one a little bit more because lebron james wants a, a copper dealt with or you're next or or whatever the context in his brain was i can't tell you what he was saying but it was fucking damaging and the media went with one narrative from the start boom done so in terms of my dad's shooting it's no secret if you fucking google it he was charged with attempted murder for the shooting of a quote-unquote unarmed 16-year-old black kid and from the first days i fucking read it i read it I think it was about five days after the shooting. There's an article that says that the uh, the victim was was shot going through a radar trap in a borrowed car, and the officer shot him. Right, white officer shoots black boy. That was the narrative right off the bat. And the the biggest part of the story is that, and they miss it is the fact that he was driving a stolen car, tried to run over my dad. That's how it started. Then there was a police chase, ended up uh, down the road a ways. This 16-year-old pulled a gun out, pointed it at my dad. My dad shot him, shattered the window, hit the guy in the shoulder and the ribs, I believe it was. Then from there, there was a little bit further of a car chase, I believe my dad was still on foot, actually. He was running after the car. So my dad shot this kid. He's ended up to now, I guess, scene three. So you got to the spot where he tried to run him over. Car chase. Now you got a shooting. Scene two. Now scene three. Ends up down the road. And now, folks, the gun's gone. All right. So the media is now running a story that my dad is now shot a 16-year-old in a borrowed car. That's the story. And that's the story they go with. And that's the story that that basically lands in people's minds and sticks, right? What isn't discussed, and thank God was discovered, and the kid did testify in the, in the attempted murder trial, and the, the jury saw right through it was that he was fucking, at 16, he was already, I guess, quote-unquote, a career criminal. And even when I got on as a cop, he continued as a criminal and was a criminal for years and years and years. What also wasn't known in the media was he was the prime suspect in a shooting homicide of another, another teenager. The gun was never found. So all of these things are going on. And all the media hears, much like the beginning of the Michaela Bryant incident, is that a white cop has shot a 16-year-old teenager. A white cop has shot a 16-year-old black teenager. And that's on repeat, on repeat, day after day, night after night. And that's the story that sticks and the damage is done. So during the, the, the preliminary trial... This this guy is so he's not credible whatsoever, and it gets tossed. the 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 charges get tossed. So now my dad's free. No more charges. All good. Well, this was the fourth shooting in a matter of years of a Toronto police officer and and a black person. So the Attorney General of Canada, uh, his name was Howard Hampton. It's called preferred indictment. He basically reinstates the charges of attempted murder and now forces my dad to go to trial. So within all this time, now my dad is going to trial, even though a judge decided there wasn't enough evidence. With all the evidence uh, put on the table in the prelim, he threw it out. Doesn't matter. We now have a politician 
who's never been a police officer, never been a lawyer, never been a judge, because of the heat or the pressure or the political climate now forces my dad to go to trial. That was one of the biggest piss-offs for me and one of the things that makes me maybe feel the way I do about politicians is that they only do what almost like they're told or, or just from the pressure. It's never because it's the right thing to do. It's just because of pressure. They don't even know why they're doing it. So my dad goes to trial. That lasts a few weeks. During the trial on wires, so like wiretaps, like for you, for you folks that don't know, it's when you listen in on the phones. Someone is overheard through the help of Dudley Laws hiring a hitman to come up to Canada and kill my dad for $500. So again, the media and everybody's portraying my dad to be this fucking racist white cop who shot a black kid. Perfect little kid. Never caused problems. But for some reason, they have the links to try to hire a hitman from New York State to come up to Canada to to kill my dad. And all, a lot of this shit I learned when I was older. And actually, a lot of it I learned... Uh, once I'd become a cop, it got more real as I got older. And maybe the anger grew the more I start to understand what happened. And so they got these death threats going on. And um, I learn, I, I get to college and I, I run into this guy. His name's Steve. His dad was a Toronto copper too. And he tells me that his dad used to watch me walk to elementary school in Scarborough with his surveillance team because of the worry that someone was going to come and kill us too. No one knows this shit's going on when the media blows up a story and makes everyone think X. It's just fucking astounding. Um, and, and honestly, I, I, I think a lot of this, no, I don't think, but a lot of it definitely fucked up my parents. Definitely. My, it did a number on my dad. I learned that surveillance teams were watching me and my brother go to school. They were watching my sister at home with my grandparents. They were watching my mom at school, and they were watching my dad 24-7. It's like a fucking movie. Um, the jury was out for two days in the trial, and obviously my dad's super concerned and my family and everything, and if he gets convicted, he's going to jail for 10 years. And one of, one of his partners, I'll, name, I'll leave the name, but uh, had a super rich brother from China, like a billionaire. And there was actually a private jet sitting on the runway at Buttonville Airport, which is just northeast of Toronto, for you guys that don't know, waiting to fly us out of the country if my dad were to be convicted. And then they would come back, and hopefully my dad would have been on uh, out on bail waiting for sentencing, and he would have fled. It's just so fucking crazy what what could have been when you think back at how damaging and how political and how gross our current system is and it's and I think it's gotten worse and I don't even know if you can repair it um, at this point I, I I hope you can I really do pray you can but when when Stories like that come out in the first days or weeks, and that's all I'm trying to hit home is just question what you hear. My my, I was in grade three. We had moved to Pickering after having left Scarborough, and the only reason we had to leave, I, I laugh, it's not really funny, but um, because of phone books for you young fuckers out there, you used to have your last names in the phone book with your address, which is completely insane. So we had to move, basically escape and leave Scarborough and and move move to Pickering. And I'm in grade three. And because my dad's shooting and trial was so fucking out there in the news every day and night, uh, there was a young black girl in my grade three class. And, I, and I'll, I'm, I'm smiling as I say this only because she was a fucking, she turned out to be a close friend in elementary school. And she's like, your family's racist. Like the first time I met her. And I'm like, what the fuck? Well, I probably wasn't like that. I think I was like eight years old, but it, it follows you. It's so damaging what the media does 
and I, I hate to sound, maybe I sound like I'm being hard on them, but I think they're fucking poison. I think they're a fucking disease. And at some point when all five news channels in this country are reporting the same thing with the same fucking opinion at the same time, it's impossible. If you've ever played the game Broken Telephone, you know that's impossible. It's like only certain opinions and certain ways of thinking are accepted these days. So, honestly, and that wasn't even it. It's all coming back to me. Fuck. It was, it's so fucked. And then we moved another house because the guy my dad shot had, had now found him at one of the courthouses, just ran into him. He's back in court fucking in the system, right? Because he's a fucking bad guy, right? And uh, chases him out of the courthouse, threatens to kill him. So now we're fucking walking around our hometown of Pickering and my dad's got to have his gun on him 24-7. This is about, I want to say 10 years later. It, it just, it felt like it never ended. And I feel like, you know, it still fucking bothers me, still pisses me off. And it's probably the core ish or the core reason and the fucking thing that boils my blood the most when the media and, and politicians lie. And they do things for the wrong reason. Hence the last three years, right? Experiencing what I knew and what I was seeing to be untrue. It's just always really fucking bothered me. And I honestly, I hope hope that story made sense. I hope you understand why I thought it was important to talk about it. It wasn't easy, but I thought it was necessary. So, um, yeah, I want to move on from that shit. Uh, forever at some point, but I, I did think it was important for people to understand why, maybe why I am the way I am. More more than anything, this isn't meant for, I don't want anyone to feel sorry or think we need help or think any of that shit. I just want you to, to please just question whatever narrative you hear, right? Um, and that's it. And that actually brings me to my to my next thing. I don't want to talk about COVID much, and I don't want to talk about the vaccine really at all. Cause I think I honestly, I believe that people are coming around and people are starting to see that we were fucked with by complete evil and disgusting humans with motives that I still don't quite understand, but I've seen a little bit too much of, of the vax versus unvax stuff still. And I'm, I'm honestly, I'm seeing it a little bit too much by people who decided not to do it and that have been fighting for their lives and fighting for their freedoms and waiting for apologies and hoping for apologies and hoping for relationships to maybe be mended or maybe they could fuck you to whoever, you know, didn't care that you lost your job or didn't care that, you know, you were forced to take something that you didn't want to take or whatever. Guys, we need unity now. I truly believe in my heart, and I've even heard it from some. There are so many people out there that are scared right now, having been either coerced or they believed at the time. Their doctors told them or a family member that they trusted told them. There are people out there that are so fucking scared having watched all these fucking pro-athletes fall, die, maybe they're, maybe they're fucking not feeling well themselves. We cannot be fucking cheering on whatsoever when a vaccinated person fucking drops dead. That is fucking gross. We fucking need unity, guys. We need some fucking prayer. There is a select few of people at the top that did this to us. It's not, it's not the fucking vax versus unvax. That's that shit has to stop. If there's people out there still pushing that shit, man, fucking ignore them. If they're saying, if they're trying to force you to do something that you don't want to fucking do, axe them from your life. Ignore them. It's time to fucking unify and team back up. Because I honestly believe in my heart that people are so scared. Some people are guilty about maybe how they treated you. They're ashamed. They're fucking confused. I honestly believe that people are scared. I was told the other day by someone who works in the stroke unit at one of our biggest hospitals in Toronto that 
men between the ages of 25 and 85, the spike in strokes of these individuals post-booster is fucking outrageous. This isn't something that we applaud, okay? If you're fucking applauding this, get fucking help. Stop it. You're not part of my fucking team if you're acting like that, all right? We need fucking unity, guys. We need to fucking have some empathy and maybe understand why the fuck people made the choices they made. And hear me out. There are, there are some people that I truly believe need to be held accountable. Heck, I, I honestly believe that if you are a physician or a doctor on the front lines and you made money off of these vaccines, full well knowing what was going on in hospitals, because every fucking thing I said about the hospitals was true, turned out to be true, was proven to be true, and you forced and coerced people to take something that they didn't need. I truly believe that doctors that did that deserve another needle. That's my own personal opinion. I also know that that's, that's something that can't happen because we still need them to help people. There are people that need to make peace with what the fuck they did and pray that they can be forgiven at the end of their lives. When that time comes, I truly believe there is a, there is a select f- few people that are, man, are they ever living in dark times right now after having what, or after having done what they did, full well fucking knowing that the narrative was not true. And you can't even argue that anymore. But I, I truly believe that we need to fucking unify. You can't be cheering on anybody fucking fallen over sick because they took something that they thought that they needed to take. And it's honestly that simple, man. If if you're out there, I, I had a fucking dad at my kid's school the other day tell me that that's his biggest regret in his life is having taken those things. Never fucking met the guy. He just knows my story a bit. And that like, how fucking sad is that, man? That's terrible. But we got to support each other, man. And and the mental health part of of, of our journey here is huge and I want to push every single person if you're in fucking dark times right now I beg you I fucking beg you to try to take another step try to see joy try to see whatever can make you happy even to the smallest amount I I really do pray that you you fucking find that and fight for it and take another step and if you got people who are fucking negative in your life get rid of them Surround yourself with only positive people. I'm actually, this is, the, I'm going to tell you one more story. It's actually completely insane. It's about my dad again. The guy's like a fucking cat. All the, he's had like 50 lives, the amount of things this fucking guy's gone through. And honestly, this is, this is going to be, this is going to be for you folks out there who are, who aren't doing well and just need a little bit of fucking light to keep walking towards it. And I and I'm gonna tell you a story about my fucking dad. It's insane. He uh, he's a really good swimmer. For his whole life, he was a good swimmer. He got us into swimming at our our cottages up north, up at Stony Lake, and and my other grandparents at Bruce Lake. And he's always been a super good swimmer. Made sure that we were good at swimming. Made sure that that was something that we we got a, a handle of real quick. Being surrounded by water and and you know the fear of drowning and all that. Being around boats and pools and lakes. So he's always been a good swimmer. He was like a lifeguard, like 16 years old or something. But this is back in in 1974. How the fuck old was he then? What 19, 19 years old? He's he's asked to be a pacer, which is uh, somebody in the context of swimming. He'll swim next to someone else. You know, they'll rotate lifeguards um, or strong swimmers along with somebody who might be trying to. Um, cross a massive lake or or attempt a huge feat, which in this case was 32 miles across from Youngstown, New York to Toronto. So my dad was was asked to be a pacer uh, along with this guy. His name was Neil McNeil. My dad, I made sure that my dad sent me this story because I, I thought the, the guy's name was important. But my, so my dad's the pacer for this guy and they're going across from New York to Toronto and my dad jumps in the water at around 10.30 um, when 
Neil McNeil, he'd been in the water since nine. So he's already been swimming for an hour and a half. This is in Lake Ontario. The water's like low 60s at this point. And they reach about mile six or seven off of shore. And the winds start to pick up. It's like three to four foot waves. And all of a sudden, my dad looks around and can't see the fucking boat. Boat's gone. Turns out the shear pin of the prop for you boat folks out there um, had fallen out or broken or snapped. So the boat lost its prop. And with the strong winds and the and the big waves, they all lost sight of each other. And now it's just my dad and this Neil McNeil guy out seven miles offshore in Lake Ontario in three to four foot waves. So at this point, they're like, fuck, we got to start swimming back to shore. And they get to about six miles offshore. So they've now swam about an hour. And, and, uh, Neil can't swim anymore. He's fucking cramped up and can't swim. So now my dad has to hold him above water. So my dad manages to do that for an hour. And at 3.30, now my dad's cramping up. So he's been in the water now for five hours. And Neil McNeil's been in the water for like, what, six and a half hours. And my dad can't hold him anymore. And there he goes. That's it. He drops. He can't hold him anymore. And and he drowns. That was the last time you saw him, my dad tells me, which is fucked, right? You're like, you're cramping up. You're trying to hold the guy above water. All you want to do is live. And you can't hold another guy, so you have to make a choice, right? If I tre- keep trying to hold on, maybe I die too. And he made the choice, and I, it was the right choice, and, and he couldn't hold him anymore. And and unfortunately, Neil McNeil drowned and was never found. Um, so at that point, it's just my dad in Lake Ontario, and now the winds are coming from the north, and the water, um, he learns after, was now uh, in the 50s. So he's now been in the water for five plus hours. And he told me, he goes, Mike, I wasn't going to fucking quit. Not a chance. There's no quitting me. I was, I was fucking getting to shore. He's still six miles offshore and he kept swimming, kept swimming, didn't quit, didn't fucking tread water. Six miles offshore. He's now been in the water for almost eight hours. I think it's like just past 6 PM. And a boat comes in the distance, a fucking sailboat. And he's screaming and screaming and they eventually hear him. And they fucking get to him and they get him out of the water and save his life or save him from drowning. But on the boat, thank God, was the team doctor for the Buffalo Sabres because moments after they got him out of the water, he stopped breathing. And the doctor performed CPR on my dad and saved his life. And I'm I'm just for for those of you who who want to quit, or you're in a fucking dark place, and you got you think you got nothing to live for. You never know if you just take another step, one after the other. Don't fucking tread water. You never know who you're gonna meet the next day or or, or something massive is going to fucking happen in your life that's going to take you out of the darkness. I fucking live there, dudes. And honestly, guys, the the only reason why I'm telling you this story is is if, if you're an individual out there who is fucking scared or, or you're in dark times, the last three years has fucking annihilated us, it, it feels. But fight through it. I'm begging you. Just take another step. Don't fucking tread water. Just don't stand there. Take a, a step towards the light. Take a step towards the fucking beauty that's out there, man. It's there. You just can't see it. It's fucking there. I promise you. I've had shitty times. I've had dark times. Just awful shit at work. You know, I, I'm i thankful. I've had friends fucking come to my house and give me a hug when they knew. But there's people out there that care about you, man. If if you're one of these people who you think that the fucking end of the line is there, my dad could have thought the same fucking thing, and he didn't. Because if he would have tread water, that boat would never have found him. If he stayed put seven miles off the shores of a fucking great lake, high chance you're not getting found. But he fucking pushed forward, and that's the only reason why he was able to get saved was because the fucking he had pushed and not given up and got to where he needed to be.
if you're if honestly if you're one of these people and shit's gotten dark or shit's gotten tough uh whether it's life family finances fuck man the last three years has has annihilated a lot of things and ruined a lot of people's lives but i promise you man if you fucking keep fighting the lights there it's fucking what you can do can be so fucking great you just gotta keep moving forward because if my dad didn't do that he never would have seen that boat move forward take every step you can i promise you honestly if you if you enjoy or feel comfort in and listening to, to our stories and our brand and the way we think world never fucking quit on you man I got you okay we got you push forward